um, so far in the book of Galatians. And so if you want to uh, get your Bibles out, we're going to be in Galatians in chapter 4 this morning. Uh, but I want to welcome you. If you came in after Jeff greeted you uh, this morning, I want to welcome you and thank you so much for being here. If this happens to be your first time at Keystone Church, we want to welcome you. We're honored that you would choose to worship with us on a Sunday. If this is your uh, first time back, maybe in a little bit, it's great to see you back. And man, it's been a, a good day. It's a beautiful Sunday. If you think back last Sunday, it had rained all week. It was raining when we all came in. And so anyway, today is a beautiful day, and I thank the Lord uh, for that. But I'm just really glad that you are here uh, this morning. I want to remind you um, of a couple of things. First of all, I was supposed to be Last Sunday, I was supposed to be with our uh, with the Spanish uh, church ministry who meets here. Um, they have been able to present our document to them of a potential merger with them. was here last Sunday, and that flood hit about 15 minutes before their service was supposed to start. He comes back to my office, and he's like, man, this is not probably not a good day for this. And so um, they had a significantly less people here than what would typically be here on a Sunday. So anyway, all that to say, I'm going to be today with that congregation at 2 o'clock just answering any questions that they have. So I want to keep you posted on that. We are not moving fast with this, as you can tell. We are taking it slowly to allow the Lord to, to lead us and guide us, and we're not trying to push anything uh, through. So just be praying about that. And then next Sunday, next Sunday, guys, it's Mother's Day. I told you a week in advance, don't wait till Saturday night to do, get something for your wife and or mother. All right, so next Sunday is Mother's Day. Here's what we do at Keystone Church. Number one, uh, we celebrate by giving out buntlets from Nothing Bunt Cake. How many of you, raise your hand, actually, let's do this. Raise your hand if you have never, this is man or woman, if you have never had a buntlet from Nothing Bunt Cakes, raise your hand if you've never had one. Never had one, okay. It's time for you to live, okay? It's time for you to live. I'm bringing, I'm preaching life into your, into your life today. No, they are incredible little things. We just, I'm not sure why we decided to do them about three or four years ago, but we did them, and now we have figured out if we don't do them, we're in big trouble. So every Mother's Day, that's what we do. So here's, in all seriousness, uh, we do want to mind everybody's situation on Mother's Day, and so we will be giving those to every lady that's 18 and older uh, next Sunday. We know that Mother's Day is a great celebration for many people. But we also know that Mother's Day can be a difficult day for some people. And this may be their first Mother's Day, maybe without their mother, or whatever the situation may be. Um, and so we want to be sensitive to that. And so next Sunday, we're going to celebrate moms. We're going to maybe remember moms. And we're just going to, I'm preaching a sermon on motherhood next week. And I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, and so anyway, that is next Sunday. So I want to encourage you to be back, to be in your place um, and invite. So if you're a mom here today and you have kids, they should have them in church with you. If your mom is living uh, and have her in church, I'm going to do my best. My mom's probably going to tell me no, but I'm going to do my best to get my mom to come uh, next Sunday as she laughs at me and goes, well, you don't come to our church when I ask you to come. So anyway, um, but uh, mom, I have to preach at my church. So <laughs> last time I checked, she only preaches in the lobby. So anyway, I'm just kidding. Don't tell her I said that. Don't tell her I said that. That's a lie. But, um, but no, but do your best next Sunday. We'll be prepared. We have plenty uh, of gifts for, for the ladies, and we want to honor, uh, honor motherhood. And it is, it is um, man, it, there's nothing like um, the love of a mother. There's nothing like the love of a mother-in-law. 
Two opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm just kidding. But uh, I will not make mother-in-law jokes next week. I will do my best to not make mother-in-law jokes. So We are in Galatians and chapter number four. We're in week 10 of our study in the book of Galatians and Gospel 101. This is, uh, this is Paul's basically foundation laying for everything he really writes in the New Testament. This is all about the gospel. And so Paul has really hit on that, and we will continue to do so as we look forward, though, in Galatians 4, 5, and 6. We will spend quite a bit of time in chapter 5, um, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. I can't wait for that. I look forward. That's one of my wheelhouse things that I love uh, preaching through. So we're heading in that direction. Um, But today we are kind of continuing um, where we left off last week, which is the beauty of preaching through a book of the Bible. Uh, As I conclude today's message, Jeff's going to come up and give a conclusion. He's doing the announcements anyway, but he's going to conclude as well um, with maybe a little bit more of a personal experience. But today's sermon title is simply the Sons, Not Slaves, Sons, not slaves. We would begin in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1, but I believe to get good context, let's put it in reverse for just, put it in reverse, Terry, for just a second to Galatians chapter 3, um, and we're going to finish out the last four verses of Galatians chapter 3. The people that laughed got it, and I, we, we can be friends. So anyway, um, Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 26. And then we will then read through Galatians uh, chapter 4 and verse 7. Okay, so verse 26, Galatians chapter 3. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you recall last week, it was not because they happened to be born in the line of Abraham. They were not sons of God because they happened to be born a Jew. Okay, and that was a big deal. For verse 27, for as many of you... As we're baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Do you remember last week if you were here, we spoke about that, the the promise to Abraham of, of of his chosen people and his nation. And we talked about how we are partakers in that promise if we have believed on the seed of Abraham, which is Christ. And it doesn't mean when it says that there is neither uh, male nor female, slave nor free, uh, Jew nor Greek, it does not mean that those things are obliterated. What it means is in light of our status as a child of God, those things don't matter. Those things do not move the needle anymore. If you could think back in that time, it was a time in culture where we, I, think, I think this was pretty well known throughout uh, biblical times and, and in that in that region in that culture that it was a very male dominant uh, culture and so he is saying that listen that we're, we're taking down uh, those barriers uh, in light of our status as a child of God just because you're a son of God and not or a daughter of God and not a son of God doesn't mean the status is any different verse uh, chapter four and verse one though continues the thought. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians 
and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. We'll get there. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that, me, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. There is a lot in this passage and in this text. It will build upon last week, but I don't know about you. I need reminders, and I need to continue building upon this idea that I have been adopted into God's family, this idea that God knew everything about me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knew everything about me, and he brought me into his family. He adopted me into his family, that I am a son, a child of the king. I need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of the fact that according to this text, because of my standing in God's family, that I am a joint heir with Christ, meaning all of the blessings and promises given to Christ, I now am able to partake in. That's an incredible thing this morning. And as Brent mentioned, we don't preach a prosperity gospel here. We do not preach that God is going to take care of all your problems and all your needs. And, and, and why pray for you know one, uh, one high-end sports car when you can pray for two, just in case the first one needs to go to the shop for something. And God will give it to you. We don't preach that here. We don't preach that if you'll give your life to Christ, things get better. We don't preach that. But I will say this. There are some incredible truths in God's word that apply to those who have been adopted into God's family. Those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. There's some incredible truths. And we're going to go through some of those today. Heavenly Father, would you speak through your word? Would you guide my heart, guide my thoughts, guide my lips? I pray that I would say everything that you would have me say today for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number one, I want us to see in our text today the need of a guardian. The need of a guardian. The first three verses of chapter four, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave. Though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so we, when we were children... We're in bondage under the elements of the world. This is a, I believe it's a couple of different ways that this is to be interpreted and applied, um, this, this text of the scripture. And by the way, that's not uncommon um, in scripture. But as long as the law was functioning as a guardian over the people, they were not truly free. They were not free because they had yet to experience the fullness of what God had for them as his children. If you want to look at it this way, uh, before we come to faith in Christ and the life that we lived before we came to faith in Christ, that life was lived under the law. That life that we lived, we, we did our best, as I believe all of us maybe would say, we did our best, uh, we would break God's law, and we lived under that, what we talked about last week, that tutor, that teacher, by the way, I described one of my teachers last Sunday 
and I did a good enough, and I was kind of making fun of her. I said her. Last week I didn't say her. Um, I did such a good job of describing one of my teachers last week. The people in here that would know that teacher did not guess who I was talking about last week. But we talked about, remember the law as the teacher, the angry teacher with her, with her, her glasses down on the end of her nose, bad breath, giving you more homework than you can do on a given night. When all the other classes are having class parties, you're reading books and this weird stuff that you do in school. That teacher. You remember? The teacher that's like, hey, I'm really sorry. I did really bad on this test because I had a, a ball game the night before and I was out really late. Would you let me do it over and get a little bit of credit? No. That teacher. That, 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 that teacher. That's the law. That's what I see when I see the law. The law is to tell me everything that I've done wrong. The law was our tutor. The law was our teacher. The law was our schoolmaster. That, that leads us to Christ because we're taught that we aren't good enough. And when before we came to faith in Christ, we lived just like that. No matter how good we were, no matter how many good works we accomplished, no matter how many uh, poor people we helped, no matter how many elderly that we, we reached out to, no matter how many people we, uh, we gave money to, no matter what we did good and right, there was always the fact that we still could not keep the law. And so we needed a guardian. That guardian was the law. The guardian was the thing that would try to keep us pointed to Christ. And so one of the applications that we have here is that this is us before we came to Christ. Obviously a little more direct application uh, right here to the, the, the Jews and to the Gentiles as, as Paul was trying to get the gospel to both of them, but especially the Gentiles, is that listen, before Jesus, before the crucifixion, before the resurrection, man, this, this was a convoluted and difficult thing you had to figure out on your own and you were under law but Jesus came and fulfilled that law and every law that was ever given was fulfilled in Christ and now you no longer need that law you no longer need that guardian because you have Christ there's two applications this morning during our infant stages of spiritual life before we come to faith in Christ we need the guardrails we need the law to point us to Christ for those hearing the gospel maybe for the first time from, the, from Paul, they need to understand that up until this time in human history, the law had ruled, but now Jesus had come and, remo and removed that guardian, had fulfilled everything that the law required. And I would just say maybe a third way, similar application here this morning. Those who have yet to place their faith in Christ, those that we interact with, I think as a parent, I think of as our children are younger and growing and trying to experience and figure this thing out. And by the way, I hope you, like me, are, are not trying to coerce and coerce and, and twist and turn and, and try to twist an arm for a child. I hope we let our children uh, uh, learn about Jesus and grow in their relationship with Jesus. I hope we're there to encourage them along the way. But they have to understand before they can accept the grace of Jesus, that they've broken God's law. That they've broken God's law. And so they're in need of that law to bring them to faith. 
in Christ. And so we saw the need of the guardian. I'm not going to spend any more time there. I believe we have, as throughout, throughout this text and in in, in this letter to the Galatian churches, I think we're well establishing that. But secondly, I want us to see this, the arrival of redemption. The arrival of redemption. See, everything was under the law, under the law, under the law, oppressive, oppressive. We can't add up. We can't add up. We cannot add up. Verse 4, but. Transitional word. We were heading in one direction, but with one T. Transitional word. We're going in the opposite direction. Okay? But when the fullness of time, of the time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman. We studied this deeply in the Christmas season. Born of a virgin woman, by the way. Born under the law. He was born in this human body to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And listen, to apply it to our lives when we were at our lowest, when we were in need of a Savior, God demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were still sinners under the law, not measuring up, Christ died for us. He died for you. He died for me. When we, what does the, uh, the old song say? When, when, when I could not come to where he was, he came to me. He came, when I could not reach him, he reached down and he found me. And this morning, the arrival of redemption was in one person. And that was in the person of Jesus Christ. And may I say, this morning, if you have accepted Christ and you have placed your faith and trust, you have a relationship with Jesus, he came and fulfilled that law You are no longer under the curse of that law. You are no longer under the binds of that law. Jesus has come. He has come. He has come to your heart. He has come to your life. And you can now live in the freedom of his grace. You can now live as a child of God. Because the Redeemer has arrived. For the Gentiles... the many, many years, the thousands of years of trying to figure this thing out, the God of the Israelites, could that God ever be my God? And there were times in the Old Testament where we would see Gentiles believe God and believe in God and be spared. But I'll be honest with you, it wasn't often. And so in this context, you have have Gentiles who wonder, can they ever have a relationship with God, the God of the Israelites. And you have Jesus who shows up and says, not only can you have a relationship with the God of the Israelites, but I'm going to make it very clear and very easy and very simple. I'm going to die for your sins. Not just the sins of the Jews, but the sins of the whole world. And so that was the importance of the Redeemer. I'm going to buy you back. I'm going to purchase your soul. I'm going to purchase your redemption the arrival of redemption. And I'm thankful for that. By the way, we ought to spend some time throughout the week, every week, thanking God for dying for our sins, thanking God for offering us forgiveness that can only come in the person of Jesus Christ. If you've never experienced what it feels like to be redeemed and forgiven by Jesus, today is the day. 
the arrival of Jesus, the Redeemer. And thirdly, where I want to spend our time this morning, which is why I kind of went through those first couple of points a little quickly. Thirdly, this morning, the status of a son. I use that because I wrote the outline. The status, and it also had two S's in it, makes it easier to remember. But the status of a child or the status of a son and or daughter, okay? I know it's 2023, I got to cover all my bases. Just kidding. It's 2023, I don't, I don't even know how many bases there are to cover now, just to be honest with you. Got no idea. Should I get up? No, I'm not going to. Stay in your notes, man. All I got to say is, I got real quick, man, I'm sorry, just real quick pause on that. Status as a son. I did get a survey from a very, 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 very progressive organization. Very progressive about something. And I got a survey. And this is all I'm going to say. In that survey, they wanted a little bit more information about me. And when I clicked on the gender drop down, I just want you to know that there were only two options. I thought that was interesting. When they want data... From me, so they can try to sell me more junk, they want to know that stuff. And there were only two options. Anyway, the status of a son or a daughter. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, back in our text. Because you are sons or children or daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Listen, when we accept Christ, when we come to faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. And you've probably heard this before, about this term, Abba, Father. It is an intimate term. If you can uh, remember, I'm trying to to think of... uh, a child maybe in our in our church that would be right at this age. I'm thinking maybe of Cora McCurdy, the coolest McCurdy by far. But Cora's right around two years old. And there's that sense of Daddy. Like, I love you. Even though Chris is unlovable. I'm just kidding. Daddy, I love you. He's not here, so I can talk about him. Um, I love you. I look at it, I, I pick on my family of three, uh, two daughters and a wife, the way that my dog greets me when I come home. Like if only my family would greet me the same way my dog greets me. Yeah, I'm preaching to you on the front row. I'm just kidding. No. I mean, when I come home, you, you guys ever have animals like this? I mean, it's like at the door, like at the window, following me in as I'm coming through the carport, and I get in, and it's like, whoosh, attack, in a good way. It's that, like, dad's home. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives us. There's this, there's this father-son relationship. There's this father-daughter relationship to where when we 
interact with God, our creator, instead of him being this incredibly large force of the universe, which he is, we can address him as dad, daddy. I mean, if you're down south here, daddy. Y'all even spell it like that too, man. What's up with y'all? And by the way, we aren't just a distant stepchild. We aren't just the kid that shows up when no one else wants him around. No, we're a joint heir with Christ this morning. Romans 8 and verse 16 tells us that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Listen, if we are a child of God, then we are an heir with the Son of God, Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Being a joint heir with Christ. Everybody understands what that means, right? We're an heir. That means that God has promised things to his Son, Jesus And when we receive Jesus, we become partakers in what God promises for his son. And so being a joint heir with Christ means that we, as God's adopted children, share in the inheritance of Jesus. I cannot fully grasp that. I cannot fully grasp this morning that when we came to faith in Christ, that God now views us with the blessings of Jesus on our lives. What belongs to Jesus will also belong to us. Christ gives us his glory, his riches, and all things. I love this statement this morning. Listen to it very closely. If you have believed in Christ this morning and he is your Savior, we are as welcome in God's family as Jesus is welcome in God's family. I know some of you have have come from a background of like beating yourself up and beating yourself up in your religious activity. But may I say this morning that if you have come to faith in Christ, you are a son of God, a joint heir with Christ, and you are as welcome in God's family as Jesus is welcome in God's family. We are accepted, according to Ephesians chapter 1, we are accepted in the Beloved. All that belongs to Christ, all that belongs to Jesus, will belong to us, his co-heirs, his joint heirs as well. You say, but I wasn't naturally supposed, that's not where I was supposed to be. That's the beauty of adoption. But you don't understand how bad of a sinner that I am. That's the beauty of adoption. But you don't get my specific, unique circumstance. That's the beauty of adoption. You see, the fact that we've been adopted into the family of God as joint heirs with Christ means that there was something, there was some scenario or situation in our lives previously that, that required an adoption. Okay? Right? Every adoption story, it typically begins with some sort of tragedy or some sort of struggle. Every adoption story, many adoption stories. 
And for us, that tragedy, that struggle, you know what it was? It was sin for us on a spiritual level. And that sin took us down a road, and that road became really long, and some of us went further down that road than others. And in our sin, here we sat, an orphan from God. Disconnected from our creator because of our sin. And through Jesus, we've been adopted. And through Jesus, I know that child. I know the sin that child has. I know the the choices that child has made. I know the habits that child has formed. I know all the negative. I know every reason why I shouldn't. But I love that child. But I will bring that child into my family. But I will adopt that child. Melissa, I'm not, I could have Melissa come up here and preach as well. Melissa works in that. Works, she's able to work in that field, in that industry. In fact, when our church started, we connected the fact that Jeff and Mandy, who adopted Jordan, had worked, and Melissa had worked and, and known each other through that process. We get, she gets to see that. These children who have all uniquely different circumstances but have circumstances that are challenging and to see adoption. And ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I'm here to tell you that we have been chosen and adopted by God to be in his family through the shed blood of Jesus. Man, this morning, I I can't really fathom that. I can't really come to... Get my mind to come to grips with that, that we are in God's family, that Jesus is a son of God and that I am a son of Jesus, the son of God, that I am a son of God, that you are a daughter of God or that we are children of God, that we've been adopted into his family. What does it look like this morning? To be a child of God and a joint heir with Christ. What does that look like? How does that play out? By the way, some of these that I'm going to give you might need to be affirmations that you tell yourself every morning before you go to work or before you interact in your day. What does it look like? Who am I because of my standing as a child of God? Who am I because of my standing as a joint heir with Christ? Who am I as a result of my standing as an adopted son? Who am I? I am complete in him who is the head over all rule and authority, every angelic and earthly power, according to Colossians 2. I am alive with Christ, according to Ephesians 2. I am free from the law of sin and death, according to Romans 8. I am far from oppression, and I will not live in fear, according to Isaiah 54. I am born of God. And the evil one does not touch me, according to 1 John and chapter 5. I am holy and without blame before him, according to Ephesians chapter 1. I have the mind of Christ, according to Philippians chapter 2. I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, according to Philippians chapter 4. The spirit of God who is greater than any enemy in this world lives inside of me according to 1 John chapter 4. I have received abundant and matchless grace and the gift of righteousness. 
And I will reign in this life and the next through Jesus Christ, according to Romans and chapter number 5. I am renewed in the knowledge of God. I no longer want to live in my old ways, in my old nature, as I did before I came to Christ, according to Colossians in chapter number 3. I am merciful. I do not judge others. I do not rush to judgment. I forgive quickly. I do this because of God's grace in my life, according to Luke in chapter number six. God supplies all of my needs because I take care of generosity in Philippians in chapter number four. I am chosen by God who called me out of darkness, out of sin, into the light of Christ so that I can proclaim his greatness to everyone I see according to first Peter in chapter number two. I am born again. I'm spiritually transformed. I'm renewed and set apart holy for God's purpose, according to 1 Peter in chapter 1. I am God's workmanship, created in Christ to do the good works that he prepared for me, according to Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all know this one, 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 17. I am a new creation. I'm a new creature in Christ. Romans 6, I am in Christ. I am dead to sin. My relationship with sin is broken. I am alive to God living in unbroken fellowship with him. The light of God's truth has shone in my heart and has brought me salvation through Jesus Christ alone, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As I hear God's word, I am quick to do what it says, according to James and chapter 1. And then Romans chapter 8, we've already said this morning, I am a joint heir with Christ. And that's just a fraction of the truth behind the statement that you are, an ado- you are an adopted son or daughter of the king. And that you are a joint heir with Christ this morning. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. And I'll choose, I'll choose my words carefully here. But just as I would imagine, there are times in the life of an adopted child here on our here in, in America or in another country, as I would assume, there are times in an adopted child's life where there's maybe some questions, and there may be some doubts, and there may be some some internal emotional struggle about the path that their life has taken. And they need to be reminded that they were loved, they were chosen, and they were adopted because they were loved. You and I in our spiritual lives, there will be times where we feel like, man, I I don't really feel like I measure up to all this. I don't really feel like I can, I deserve or that I am supposed to be in that room. And we need to be reminded of our adoption. We need to be reminded of the love and the care. We need to be reminded of how much Jesus loves us. And how he brought us into the family. I want to end with a story that's not as heavy um, as maybe what the content that we talked about today. But I believe it does illustrate a little bit of what it's like to know that God's our father. That God is our dad. That God is our Abba, 
our daddy. When I was in Baltimore uh, serving at Rosedale Baptist Church, we were about three hours from New York City. Okay, and so it was not, and, and you guys have met Pastor Ken Baker, was here a couple weeks ago for Missions Weekend. He was serving in the Bronx at that time. Pastor Dustin Moore, one of my other friends, was serving in Brooklyn. So I had two of my best friends, one of them serving in Brooklyn, one of them serving in the Bronx. And so it was not uncommon for me, three-hour trip, I would figure out excuses to go to New York City. Some of y'all may hate New York City, whatever. I happen to love it, enjoy going and hanging out and being around the city. But I remember one day I was in a staff meeting at our church at Rosedale, and I got a text to me and Jake Potter, one of the other staff members there, from Pastor Ken in the Bronx. And his Dustin's on there and myself and Jake. And he's like, hey guys, I think I've got tickets to the Brooklyn Nets game tonight. Now here it is, like 10 o'clock in the morning. We have families, we have things going on. But he's like, I believe I got tickets to the Nets game tonight. And if they're the tickets I think they are, you guys are going to want to get here. And so I'm like, what does that mean, right? And uh, so Sarah got used to this. You know, after we got married for a couple of years, I would send that random text, hey, I'm going to be back really late tonight. I'm heading to New York or heading to whatever, right? And so sent that text, and we decided we were going to go. We're going to go see what this is all about. And so it was three hours, so Jake and I left sometime after lunch, <clears throat> made the trip up there. Uh, we connected with Pastor Ken, Dust, Pastor Dustin. We were hanging out, and Ken's like, yeah, I got our tickets on the email. He's like, well, I don't know what this is. Like, I think they're good tickets. So the, the backstory is that Pastor Ken's church in the Bronx, when the, when the Nets were in New Jersey, when they were the New Jersey Nets, no one would come to their games. Okay? No one was crossing over to New Jersey to come to the games. And so they would call Pastor Ken and they would be like, hey, listen, we've got 50 tickets. If your church will use them, we'll give them to you for free. We just need people to come to the game. So like on a regular basis, he would get 50 free tickets when they were in New Jersey. And they would take people from their church and they would go to games. Well, when they moved to Brooklyn, things got a little bit different, right? That's a little bit of a, a better situation for them. People started attending the games more. There were no longer 50 free tickets to give to Pastor Ken. And so his rep, the guy that would do that for him, said, listen, I can't do this for you. I can't give you 50 free tickets, but I can keep you in mind if I ever have anything come across my desk that I think you would enjoy. So that was the relationship that Ken had built over the years. So Ken goes, I got these tickets from my rep. He said, you do not want to miss this. You've never experienced anything like this. And so we walk up, we get off the train, we walk up the, uh, I forget the name of the place in Brooklyn, but Barclay Center in Brooklyn. We walk up and there's people standing in line already. We were like two hours early, but people standing in line to get in, you know, you get your bag checked and you go in or whatever. So we're standing in line and we get up there, go through the little bag check and we're about to scan our tickets and the guy looks at our tickets and he goes, oh, he's like, you guys don't enter right here. You guys don't come in. This isn't your entrance. I didn't know if I was supposed to be, you know, excited or mad, right? Like, I want to go in. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, uh, this is your answer. If you walk around the corner over on the side there, there's this little black overhang. It's the Calvin Klein uh, VIP entrance. That's the one that you guys want. And I'm like, all right. So don't you have to tell me twice. And so uh, here we go walking around. And sure enough, we turn the corner, and there's this little door. It's got a little awning over it with the Calvin Klein logo. And um, I'm like, all right, cool. 
So we walk in, and the person scans our tickets, and they're like, okay, sir, here's your lanyard, and here's your armband. And so at that point, we're kind of like, what, what, what is this? So one of us asked the lady, like, we've never done this before. We got these tickets. What are we, where are we going, and what are we doing? Because we were not, like, in the regular part of the arena. And so the lady's like, oh, if you guys have never done this, you're about to have a blast. She's like, let me see where your tickets are. She's like, okay, well, you two guys are on the second row. And you two guys are on the fourth row. So, okay, cool, great. And so she's like, but like, it, there's a whole lot more than just where you're sitting. She's like, okay, so what's going to happen is I'm going to put you on this elevator. You're going to go down two floors. Underneath, there is an entire VIP area. She's like, there's any type of food you want there. So obviously she's thinking my language right there. Um, she's like, and it's all free. It comes with your ticket. That's why you had this wristband and that's why you had that lanyard. And I'm like, now what do you mean by free food, right? You got like, you know, corn dogs and like chicken stars, right? And she's like, oh no, sir, we have, there's, there's beef tenderloin, there's sushi, there's all types of chicken, whatever you like, whatever you want, it's there. You can eat it all game. She's like, have you ever wondered why you look at a basketball game and you see several, a lot of empty seats right behind the bench and on those lower levels? She's like, it's not because there aren't people there, it's because they are in those lounges half the time eating all their free food and drinking and doing whatever they want to do. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Also, we have a candy bar. So like any type of candy that you ever want, it's right there at the candy bar. There's an ice cream shop in there. It's all free. It's for you guys. And I'm like, I mean, my, y'all can imagine, right? Like, I'm, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, they're like, oh, by the way, there's a half-court gym there that guys use for just like, you know, half-court shooting. Feel free. There'll probably be more kids on that court playing, but... Feel free to go out there and play a little bit, shoot around anytime you want during the game. Now, once we got down there, we figured out, I mean, there were TVs everywhere. You could watch the game, obviously, down there. You could watch anything you wanted to, really, down there. That night, we ended up being a part of the halftime show. It was some sort of superhero thing. Like, one of us had to be the Flash. That was not me. Um, I forget who that was at the time. But uh, it was basically a relay, and one of the persons had to do the running, and I had to, had to get the ball from the person that was running. I was, had Hulk hands, so I had to grab the ball with the Hulk hands, and I had to shoot layups. And so I just remember that. But our three of us, three of the four of us were a team uh, during the halftime. I can't remember if we won or lost, just to be honest with you. But here's where I'm getting. We hop on the elevator, and there's a teenager on the elevator. And so, like, we're talking of guys. We're all pastors. We can't shut up. So we got a little bit of time there, and I, I looked at the teenager, and I'm like, bro, how did you, he had a lanyard, he had a, I'm like, bro, how'd you, how'd you land this, this gig, man, this is pretty sweet. And I'll never forget his answer, because I thought it was, it was, it was kind of unique, and it kind of plays what we're talking about here. He just looked at me, and he goes, oh, my dad works here. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, so I didn't think about it. Well, he just nonchalantly, maybe he was trying to let us know, he like flipped his lanyard over. And his lanyard was, at the time, Jason Kidd, the coach of the Dallas Mavericks right now, was the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And that was Jason Kidd's teenage son, who was on the thing with us. And I started thinking about that. That kid's a teenager, just like my kids are teenagers. That kid has struggles in his life, just like you and I have struggles in our lives. But he received the benefit and the blessing and honestly 
the grace and the pampering or whatever you want to call it, right? You know why? It wasn't because of him. That was just a kid, man. If, 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 if I didn't see that lanyard, if I, he didn't turn that lanyard over, that's just another kid from Brooklyn. That's just another kid from the street. But no, my dad works here. And he doesn't just work here. My dad's the head coach. And I thought about that. And I thought about, okay, I'm being adopted into this family for tonight. And I'm going to take full advantage of it. But his son, every game, he can walk in, show that lanyard, get on that elevator, get that free sushi, eat that candy, sit in that first row, walk anywhere he wants to. The night I was at the game, Chelsea Clinton was at the game. We ran in her in the hallway. It was super weird. You're not expecting to see people like that at a basketball game. You're like, wait a minute. You know why? Because of his daddy. And I'm not making fun of that. I actually think that's an incredible thing. My dad works here. Do you know who my dad is? And may I say this this morning, child of God, when you're feeling like you're not enough, when you're feeling like this, this, this world and the, all of this culture and everything is just pounding up against you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, do you know who your father is? Do you realize who your dad is? Do you realize who has adopted you into his home, into his family? Do you realize the blessings that those people that have the nosebleed seats that have to pay ridiculously high prices for their nasty corn dog? They don't understand that right down below, there's actually free sushi. Now, the price has been paid, but it was paid by someone else. Listen, this morning, we have all the spiritual blessings. If we've placed our faith in Christ, we have all the spiritual blessings. We're a joint heir with Christ. And for some of you, what you need to take away from today's sermon is to stop beating yourself up. Stop being so negative about every struggle and every little thing because God has already won and you are his child. Stop beating yourself up. But number two, some of you may need to realize it for the first time. God has invited me into his family. He has adopted me, wants to adopt me into his family through Jesus. And if you've never come through Jesus, if you've never come through the way, the truth, and the life, according to John 14, I want to invite you into that relationship today. Listen, far greater than some free food at a basketball game. Far greater than sitting close at an NBA game. Far better to have the creator of the universe know you and your flaws and your faults and your failures and to extend grace to you through Jesus and to adopt you into his family. There is no better truth than that. And so I beg of you today, if you're here and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, you don't know what it's like to have him as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you into that relationship. So that when the world steps on the elevator with you and they say, how in the world do you have all those blessings? Or how in the world the Lord is working in your life? You can just say, my dad. My dad. My dad took care of me.
Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.